but young at the same time. Like you have this young, like, <clears throat> like Breaking Bad. You like watching cartoons with me. Fuck, like we watched Deadpool last night. And she was there. Like, nice, nice. So awesome. Well, um, are we recording now? Maybe. Good. <laughs> Yo, this is Glad. only yesterday. Um, only yesterday. We've got our second guest, and before we talk about our second guest, we need to discuss what are we talking about today, Mister Sir. Okay. So today we're talking, disclaimer, we're talking about abuse, so narcissistic abuse specifically. Mm. So if you are triggered by this, this is your chance to, you know, skip the episode, get help, you know, there's reach out therapy resources. If you're feeling suicidal or like you're going to self-harm, reach out to local hospital or 911, stuff like that. So, But if you would like to learn more, this is your episode. Boom. So who is our guest today? Who, who, who are you? Aunt Mimi. Aunt Mimi. Yeah. Yep. Nice to meet you, Aunt Mimi. Thank you. Nice to be yep. here. Interesting story behind the name Mimi. Mm-hmm. That's not her name, like birth name at all. Great. Our cousin couldn't say her name, mm-hmm. so she just called her Mimi, and it just stuck. Like, tell the story about the fa- the, the company barbecue. So uh, I took Adam to a barbecue, and someone came I was like up, three. And someone came up to him and said, do you love your aunt and used my given name? And he shook his head no. He had no idea who they were talking about. <laughs> oh, no. Because she's Mimi. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. All the nieces and nephews call me that. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, so, let's, let's begin. Let's get so into what it. What is a narcissist? What is a narcissist? So there, that's kind of like a pop. Like you hear, oh, this person's a narcissist. Or, but there's actually a clinical, like, actual like definition of a narcissist. Mm-hmm. So it's basically somebody with very low empathy who has kind of a sense of grandeur, like self self-importance who puts other people, their needs above other people's and is self-absorbed and um, can be dangerous sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. not always. Right. Of course, um, of course. There's a continuum. And then it's also somebody who, yeah, they basically lack empathy and they, they think of themselves as more important. Their needs is more important than everybody else's. And I've heard the term <clears throat> cluster B personality disorder yeah. or uh, dark triad. She knows her shit. Knows her shit. Don't test her. She knows her shit. Yo, well, not necessarily, but I've done a lot of research. So Yeah. That's good. Want to definitely want to have the knowledge base on this mother. So, yo. Yeah. Here we go. So, um, you know this very well. We're talking about the, uh, the cycle of abuse. So, it starts with idealization. Mm-hmm. And moves to devaluation and then rejection. So it's kind of this. Um, some of our sources. Let's recognize those first. Edit point. So yeah, typically I like to get the sources out of the way first, so then I could just say whatever the fuck I want to. Okay, but yes. I mean, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> okay. You're good, bro. It's whatever fine. I want. So our um, articles that we looked up this week are: Do you love a narcissist? How to spot a narcissist? What is a narcissistic abuse cycle and how does it work? And then I read a book on the side called uh, No More Narcissist, How to Stop Choosing Self-Absorbed Men and Find the Love You Deserve by Candace V. Love, PhD. And you'll eventually get the rest of the sources of the people who wrote the rest of those articles later. Yes. It's show notes. Check the show notes. Peep it. Okay. So we're just going to get into this, Mimi. Um, I lived this, and so, but our listeners didn't. So tell us like your first experiences with the ex or just tell your story okay. first. All right, great. And I do want to make um, a caveat that there are also narcissistic women. Oh, yeah, there are. And um, from from my research, narcissistic women can even be more damaging than some narcissistic men. We definitely have some, some yeah. 
some uh, skeletons in the closet that were narcissistic women in right. the family. Right. Um, <clears throat> so starting with my experience, and I've also, I belong to some Facebook groups and some other groups that um, are for survivors and mm-hmm. thrivers. And to be a survivor, you don't have to get out or get away. You have to be trying to change yeah. yourself because you cannot change them. Right. And so... Um, a lot of us have a history, a familial history of some kind of abuse. Um, and so the abuse that comes narcissistically feels normal. It feels like mm. love because we may have been exposed to something like that from our parents, from our grandparents, from someone else. And so when it happens in the home, it's like, okay, so this just happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a part of life. Right. And then when you meet someone, um, again, it feels like home because... Mm. It's the it's same. Familiar. Yeah. yeah, very familiar. In psychology, yeah. they have this thing. It's like schemas. And so you develop like these storylines of how the world is from your experiences as a small, small child, right? right? So if you have a narcissistic parent, you just think that's what love is. Mm-hmm. Because that's, fuck, I, that's not what I thought. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, you fall into the groove. Yeah, it's like, how can you, you don't know any better. Exactly. So, sorry, keep going. No, you're fine. So, starting with idealization, um, uh, and I'm just going to give a few examples. Um, you may be told that you're like no other, mm. or you understand me like no one else, mm. or I don't usually say this so early. Yeah. And then whatever they're going to say. And you feel special. You feel like, like this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Yeah, you feel like the shit. Yeah. And you've also been fed this by movies by literature, mm-hmm. um, by, you know, poetry. Um, you know, you're supposed to feel that, oh, so exciting, and they're supposed to want me, the, you know, more than anyone else, that kind of thing. Right. And so I think being able to, there are some other steps I'll, I'll talk about to be able to distinguish a healthy um, admiration from narcissistic the build up to narcissistic abuse. Mm-hmm. Right. It's definitely important to acknowledge the healthy ones, right? Because if we're saying, if we're seeing examples of someone, hey, someone saying, "Oh my gosh, hey, you're so special, you're the one person," like that's that's going to instill that feeling of, "Oh damn, like yo, I'm doing something yeah. right," or like, "Yo, they yeah. see something in me that no one else has seen," and so it, it, it like it's almost like a web, right? Just with your words, you're wrapping that person up. Exactly, mm-hmm. and yep. you know, anyone, everyone wants to feel special. I don't know anyone who wants to feel crappy all the time. And so when you want to feel special, um, having that fed to you uh, on a daily or hourly basis by text, by calls, by conversation, you do feel special. Yeah. Um, There's the second um, cycle step, the love bombing. So um, idealization leads into love bombing where it's like, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot, a lot. So it's perpetual. Um, and again, it's, I, I like to use the CIA interrogation tactics where they don't let up. They keep asking and asking and asking. And asking. <laughs> so they got some motherfucker like an Abu Ghraib, like, yeah. but with love bombing. Yeah, they're asking and asking. Well, what happens with love bombing is um, every five minutes you'll get a text, mm-hmm. uh, you'll get a call. But you, again, you feel special. Because it's like, wow, somebody really wants to get a hold of me. Somebody really values what I have to say. Yeah. Can you? Right. I live this, but can you give some examples of how your ex kind of love bombed you? 
Sure, sure. Um, he would plan something grandiose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would just, just be like, we're going to do this very grandiose thing, something that maybe I've always wanted to do. Um, but it always comes with a cost. And then also um, things happening fast and furiously, like you might go to dinner one night and then the next morning they want you to go to breakfast and then, you know, they might want to have you f- go for dinner again and it's just, it's perpetual. Mm-hmm. And again, to be able to distinguish a healthy relationship where I just want to be with this person. Right. And so I think that the love bombing is super it's critical in that aspect because there's so many different ways that it can be applied, right? So we say, hey, let's, let's, I'm going to take you out to go to dinner and then afterwards I'm going to go get you something beautiful and then afterwards I'm going to, you know, get you a box of chocolates or something. And then when that person decides, hey, I'm going to withdraw all this, you know, the, the love bombing and then the person says, oh, hey, what's wrong? Like, do I need to reach out to this person? Like, oh, hey, is, is everything okay? And then again, that's more of this, uh, this, this dependency almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking on the outside, like, we saw the love bombing and then we noticed visual, visual, uh, visibly mm-hmm. the, the withdrawal of that. It's like, something's wrong. Like, there's, there's, something's not right. And we were worried. So. Right, right. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, that's a good point, though, because um, when they I- start to isolate you and you don't comply, mm-hmm. then the love bombing stops. And then you're like, like you said, what did I do? Mm-hmm. What have I done? How can I fix this? Because right. you're so used to the constant chaos of attention. And it, it feels like chaos because um, in a healthy relationship, you'd want to reach out to each other. But if you don't answer your phone or the text, you don't have someone completely freaking out. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, I know you're busy. I'll catch you later. Right, right. Um, the next part is boundary breaking. <clears throat> and um, the, this is huge. Yeah. I mean, this is pivotal. Um and it doesn't matter what your morality is or, you know, how you feel about premarital sex or anything like that. It has to do with your comfort level. Mm-hmm. And boundary busting is pushing the boundaries of your comfort level. So let's go back a second just because some people don't understand, like, the word boundaries. Like, in a psych- psychology term, what would you think of boundaries as? Um, I would <clears throat> say boundaries are healthy ways to take care of yourself. So basically, let's say someone says, um, I need to ride to Vegas this weekend. <laughs> Somebody and, did say that to me once. <laughs> and you say... You were married to him. Yeah. And you say, uh, well, I'm, I'm not available this weekend. And they're like, but I need to ride to Vegas this weekend. Not going to happen. Yep. Okay. I've I've experienced some of these as well, right? We're like, okay, hey, I... I need a ride to Vegas. Like, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm busy. I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And then they make you feel like you're the problem. Like, why is it that I'm the one that's responsible for getting you to Vegas when you're the one that made the plan? Like, Exactly. And didn't plan ahead. Right. Why? I, I wasn't even involved in it. <laughs> it's Friday. Mm-hmm. Why are you asking me now? Right. You know, that kind of thing. Funny story about that. Last week, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there. She gets a call. And this motherfucker wants to take out a mortgage together. Just last out of the blue, hmm. just like randomly. And I hear her voice like go from like, you know, like she's talking now to like something's somebody's in trouble. I don't know who it is. But something, yeah. Like the, the, only, the only time I've ever heard that voice used was when I was like six or seven. And sorry, I'm going to go right ahead. So um, I had a Game Boy Advanced 
Ooh. And they had shitty backlighting, right? Okay. So, like, I was like, I had a, one of those, like, you know, lights that attached to it, you know, and shine on the screen, but I couldn't see it. And so we were at a restaurant. And I'd crawl under a table, like, to go play my games, you know. I'm sitting there, I'm on my skateboard, you know, blah, 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 getting all these points, whatever. It's cool as fuck. Whatever. And um, I don't, I'm seven. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know about kidnapping or pedophiles or rapists or shit like that. Right. I'm trying to play the game. They had, like, the whole restaurant looking for me. Oh, <laughs> man. Were, my mom was, like, sitting there freaking out and crying. And so my aunt... I'm going to tell. She grabs me by my scalp, like, just like, you know, just like this. Like a, so she grabs you. She grabs me. Okay. <laughs> well, statute of limitations. It's it's over. So. Right. Um, <laughs> and so she's like, you know, she's angry and like I'm crying because my scalp hurts and stuff. Sure, sure. And um, my aunt's not an abusive, abusive person. That's not what I meant to insinuate. And so that's the only other time I've ever heard her use that voice hmm. was when she, I she thought that Jeffrey Dahmer had snatched me up. And I bet in that moment you felt like your boundaries were being broken. Yes. Yeah. Back to look at that segue. <laughs> Very good. Um, a couple of things that, that happen to me all the time. And I mean, we're talking repeatedly. You feel like you're being beaten down mm. because you get the um, tests. Boundary breaking comes with small tests. And a lot of times the narcissist will admit to testing you. Mm. Oh, I just wanted to see what you'd do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just wanted to see if you'd do this. I wanted to see if you'd give in. I wanted to see. I wanted to see. Uh, the second thing is repeated requests just won't take no for an answer. Mm. Um, X will say the same thing a hundred different ways. He will not take no for an answer. And Finally, I have to grab his hair and bang he his head. <laughs> he doesn't consider himself an ex, so I might say. Uh, yeah. Um, the other thing is, um, I don't know if you've ever said to someone, will you give me a ride to Vegas? And they say, no, I can't. How about now? How about now? I mean, it's that kind of thing. It's yeah. like, I already said, you know. It's, it's kind of like wa- wa- watching Breaking Bad. Um, wait, wait. We're, we're, go ahead. Go just, ahead. Just for the, for the layman's game. So someone saying, hey, will you give me a ride to Vegas? And you're like, no, I can't do it. And then they're like, well, how about now? So they're in their mind, it's like, now that I've given you the information that I'm needing this from you, have you changed your mind? Because I'm so important that you need to change your mind and acquiesce to my request. Yes. 100%. In, right. in their mind, they're so delusional that they think that, oh, well, they love me so much that if I ask the right way, it's going to happen because I get my way. Mm-hmm. So Walt's on Breaking Bad, kind of like that, like, I, I, it, something about it bugged me. He was just people would say like, "Dude, I'm 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 busy, or I don't want you in my house." And he would just act like nothing was wrong and kind of impose his reality on them. It was weird. Right. Yeah, but we were talking about that. We watched Breaking Bad together, so good stuff. Yeah, great show. Um, boundary break busting is also someone acting a certain way in public that. It's very uncomfortable for you. So I'll give an example. We go to a store. um, One of the salespeople doesn't understand what he's saying and what he's looking for. So he publicly humiliates this person. I am dying. I'm behind him saying, I'm so sorry to the Mm -hmm. sales clerk who's some kid. He didn't ask to be humiliated in this way. He knows that I don't like that. He knows that that's not how I operate. And so he does it. And so it's not just breaking the boundaries of like in an emotional way, but now in the social aspect, okay, you're not going to, okay, great. I'm going to cause a fucking scene. Someone's going to be embarrassed. It's not going to be me. Exactly. So, oh man, 
one of like when I was a child, one of the first times I realized like this guy's kind of fucked up is we were at uh she owns a shop and so she does like markets where everybody comes and visits, you know, and they have vendors outside. And so I'm just sitting there and I see him come up and there's a lady that apparently she had some beef with on, you know, about some stuff that he had, she had told him about it. And he just starts screaming, fuck, 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 fuck in front of the whole market. And I'm like traumatized by that. Cause I'm like this little kid, you know, and I'm just, everybody's just like looking around like, and this lady is a lady that wouldn't appreciate that language. She was right, crying right. and sobbing, and mm. the people that were with us, like they were adults too. And he's like, "Dude, why? What the? F- why did you do that? Like, it was yeah. that's an example of that behavior for sure. It's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving into the moving too quickly in the relationship, mm. um, that Ooh. is a big red flag too. That's a red flag that'll slap you in the face. Mm. Um, talking exclusivity so soon. Marriage, children. Um, I mean, there are people you've never even met. Like mm-hmm. people meet online and they start like, "Oh, you're the only one." Ninety day fiance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get back to that shit. Um, I so I want to slow down a bit. Can you tell our listeners how you met this person and just kind of like paint the backdrop of what we're talking about? Sure. Um, I feel like that specific part would be good for like the beginning. The, no, the the interpersonal like being okay. in a relationship with someone with narcissism right like, sure sure but i mean if you want to get into it now we can do that now well we're just we should talk about like moving too fast and okay. dating and stuff Good word sorry well disregard okay do what you want to do okay yes counselor i accept your plea okay <laughs> um i own a business and this individual came into my business looking for something and um you know i was friendly I'm a friendly person, and my business is based on, a lot of times, on relationships, cult of personality kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so then, um, but I have a regular job, so I had employees, and he would keep coming back looking for me. I had no idea who they were talking about. They kept saying, some guy who wears a hat came back and looked for (laughs) you. And so I was, um, finally one Saturday, he came and said, "Oh, I've been trying to, you know, look for you. Do you want to go out for coffee?" And I said, "I don't, I don't drink coffee." And he was like, "Oh, you're rejecting me." And of course, me being the person that I am, oh, I can't have anyone feel sad and rejected. Uh. So I said, "Well, you know, I drink hot chocolate or do something." So um, we went out, and I kept saying, "We're friends. We're friends." Because I mean, I could feel the red flags. Let me ask you this: How? Did he have like the classified newspaper in the newspaper or something like just looking for business owners that were single and like, how did he know? Like, did he I look, did no he stalk idea. you? I'm just, no, I don't I know no that idea. answer. I don't like, either. I'm discovering this on air that he yeah. did this. So. so he was looking for a piece of furniture and he looked for thrift and type things like that. Wow. What a sneaky bastard. Yeah. So then um, I kept saying, we're friends, we're friends, we're friends. But again, I'm a person um, that wants to be liked. I'm a person that doesn't want people to feel sad and lonely. And he could he could sense that. So he played up the sad and lonely card. And and that's what I was thinking. As you were saying, hey, this guy in the, the hat come by, you know, looking for furniture, mm-hmm. this and that. And so I'm thinking about like narcissistic personalities, like how they sometimes they'll like, they'll find... A person or like they'll have a basically like a category like i'm looking for this particular type of person and so 
you are my target, right? And not necessarily like in a malicious way, but no, like in a malicious you, way, you're my target for, you know, for better or for worse, whatever. Yeah. Like you are the person, you are the subject of my interest, right? Yes. And so I don't know. I was wondering, like, maybe he did know something about you or maybe you guys are just like, he'd come up before like, oh, he saw that she was a nice person or. Well, sure. there's a cultural aspect. Um, he's of a different culture and my heritage has some commonalities with that culture. Oh, okay. And then also, I was middle-aged, overweight, never married. Mm. I think that was, that was you know, something that he looks for because, you know, you got nothing else going on, so I'm going to step in. Mm, like I would say, like the, the boxes in, yeah. the, in mm-hmm. the, like this checklist, in, right? In the, yep. the culture that you were talking about, like being overweight is actually a sign of, like, attractiveness, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. You need to so adopt some I, of that here I, in American culture. <laughs> I, I, I will go resettle my roots in the place that we were talking about, if that's the case. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. getting up there in the poundage. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, and then I was going to um, – so I kept you know, emphasizing we were friends. We should be friends. We should be friends. But he wasn't, he wasn't going for that. Not having it. If I didn't pick up the phone, if I didn't you know, call him back, if I didn't this, if I didn't that, things – and there was one experience where we got our wires crossed. We were supposed to go out. Um, we got our wires crossed. And so he basically ghosted me. Hmm. And, oh, I was crushed. See, we were just friends, but I guess not. In my, ah, you know, and so. Got you in the web. He, yeah, yeah. That, it was a technique. So I tracked him back down and apologized and. You know, that kind of thing. It's rough. Yeah. That's kind of the background of how we met. Yeah. Um, Sneaky. It is sneaky. And kind of, we're talking like, you're an educated woman, you know, you have, what, is it two degrees or one? Just one. Okay, you went to two different schools. Mm -hmm. You know, you had a full-time job, you had your own shop. So, like, what kind of, like, things do narcissists look for in people? Like, like those traits because uh, anybody like anybody could fall prey to that, you know, like if they're not careful, like what kind of things are they wanting? Well, in see? popular, I'm glad you asked that. In popular lore with the narcissistic recovery community, um, they're not looking for losers. They want something. They want um, something. There's nothing more, there's nothing more tenacious than, a narcissist that doesn't have anywhere to live. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they look for, and I'm going to use the men to women, but they look for um, women that have that have things, that have substance, that maybe have a good family, um, relationships. It's kind of a challenge to them. They also look for people that <clears throat> have a good job because a lot of them, um, this one in particular was, you know, pretty much a server. Mm-hmm. And also, I'll add to that, they're entitled as fuck. Like, they want a lifestyle, and they don't think, they want somebody that's going to give that to them. Mm-hmm. And they think that that's what they deserve. And so they they um, kind of, yeah, they think they deserve something, and so they'll do anything that they want to get it. Exactly. Yeah. Any kind of, and they don't understand, the word, they don't obviously don't understand the word no, but even logic, mm-hmm. like, that it's not time for that, or that's not how we do that, or they, someone won't appreciate that. They just don't get that. And so I think 
in that aspect, right? Like narcissism have to have, or narcissists have to have like a huge sense of delusion, right? To the point where, okay, my belief in how society is ran supersedes how reality is. How right? society like, is really. And so I feel like yeah, the delusions of grandeur are like super prevalent in that aspect, right? That's an excellent point. Um, there have been so many times when, let's use dropping out of a class or dropping <laughs> classes or dropping a semester, mm-hmm. okay? There's a deadline. There's an organization to college. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. These people would say, oh, I dropped my class a week later than the deadline. And they can't understand why they won't get their money back. <laughs> and they go to great lengths to manipulate, to charm, mm. to get their way, to, again, bust the boundary. Right. The college says no. The narcissist says no, that doesn't mean no. And they'll do whatever it takes. And, he, and then when they get their way, or they don't get their way, they're angry, they're blaming, mm. they're hostile, you know, they want to burn down the school or something. You just yeah, described yeah, yeah. January 6th uh, insurrection, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. They just throw a tantrum. It's a tantrum. It really is. And so instead of a no, they take that answer as a keep trying mm-hmm. or need to try something different. Yeah. Wow, you just wow. didn't try hard enough. Right. To, yeah. <laughs> Those arms just didn't twist hard enough. Uh, yeah, exactly. So moving on to kind of devaluation, what that's like a, a whole, we could do like, two whole podcast like series on just different types you know kind of thing mm-hmm. but uh what's what when did that start to happen when it was like the the moment where you're like the the mask came off and you're like uh-oh this something's fucky about this guy well it even happened earlier um <clears throat> and i they find a lot of times they'll find out what bugs you mm. so there was an old movie called poltergeist mm-hmm. and um there's a little woman who's a psychic in the movie and a medium and a sensitive, and she says, um, the ghost knows what scares you. So basically, their tactics are tailor-made. Right, right. They know what bugs you. They know exactly what buttons to push. They're very, very intelligent in that way. They're very observant. Mm -hmm. And so um, for me, I um, I become defensive. I've always been this way. And all, you know, I become overly defensive. And so he would get me very defensive. And we were at um, lunch one day, and I said something about a book he was reading. And he made it sound like I was stupid for asking the question. And this was, you know, when we were just friends. And I was like, oh, that's not good. You, you said something. Um, you mentioned, you know, how they're really, really observant. Um, and so that makes me think with certain, or I guess like with many narcissists, right? There has to be like a certain level of intellect, right? They have to be intelligent enough to say, to acknowledge, hey, this is this social cue that I get from this particular thing. So here's what I'm going to do to manipulate the situation. Or, I mean, almost in, not necessarily in like a childish fashion, but like when, you know, like a child says, hey, I, I scream, I cry, mom and dad comes. Okay, cool. So I freak the fuck out. This person comes to my aid and says, hey, you need to get it together. Or I withdraw attention. This person comes and so that it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And it is childish because that's, they act like that. And going back, like way, way back, you know, 
what makes a narcissist is childhood experiences that are, you know, whether it's abuse, um, and they're just not validated or trauma. And then also another comp factor of it and, uh, is kind of bad boundaries between the, ch- the parent and the child. So like, I see this a lot in narcissists, like their, their dad, I'm going to speak in binary terms just for the sake of it. Um, so their dad was distant, you know, or abusive or whatever. And so to compensate for that, mom just gave them whatever they wanted and treated mm-hmm. them like the shit. Yep. And so they're, they're used to getting whatever they want, you know, so they learn from that relationship. You're essentially feeding a monster at that point. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it is childish because yeah. that's the, they have, the reason they're a narcissist is because they have delayed development in childhood, just like those developmental milestones they're not meeting. Hmm. Interesting. Well, in some cultures, um, value one gender higher than the other. Mm. And then if you were, let's say, the only son, uh, the youngest child, in certain cultures, you're the king. Right, right. And so what that does is that creates that sense of entitlement that... This is how my reality is. People give me what I want when I want it kind of mm-hmm. thing. All I have to do is squawk a little. Mm-hmm. But then when they meet meet their match, so to speak. Um, and that kind of leads me to a point where people who are in, involved in narcissistic abuse will do a lot of things they wouldn't normally do financially, um, physically, um, relationship-wise. They'll cut off people Mm -hmm. in order to keep the tantrums from flowing the tantrums still happen right and you bring up a good point because so my aunt was like my second mom growing up like i saw her pretty much every day because we lived in both in the same town right by each other and so like i grew up with her at our house all the time and my mom and her really close and when she started dating him, it was like somebody turned off like the cold water or something, you know, the water was just flipped off. It was like, boom, never see her anymore Hmm. because of, you know. Yeah. And behind the scenes, I was, um, it just wasn't, the fight wasn't worth it. So I'll give you an example. I'd go to my mom's for a birthday thing. And when I got home, it would be like, your family hates me. You didn't bring me a piece of cake. Mm. But if I brought him cake and food, he would let it go bad in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. And so it's it, it's like they have a control complex as well. Oh. Right? They just want to control the situation. The perfect word. Yeah. The you're, perfect you're, word. You're kind of like their little like puppet on strings, mm-hmm. you know, they're just playing with you. I was going to take one of my nephews, not you, but um, to a movie for his birthday. Mm. And... It was the year when that flu started going around and they didn't have enough vaccine. And he didn't want me to take him because oh, yeah. I, because there, the flu was going around. I think it was H1N1. Yeah. Yeah. And I went ahead because back then I thought, I'm not going to let someone control me. Right. And it got ugly mm-hmm. just because I took my nephew to the movies. Can you imagine being in a relationship where someone attacks you verbally for spending time with your family. Like, yes, I can. I can because I, I grew up around one very, I won't get into details, but very closely besides this one. So yeah, I can't imagine that, but a lot for normal, quote unquote, normal people. Yeah, that's fucky. That's mm-hmm. wild. That's whack. I can see if you had a family member that was 
a serious issue, like that was a murder or something, and you didn't want mm-hmm. your child to be babysat by him. Sure. But we're talking normal people who I love to spend time with. And I mean, I never had children, so my nieces and nephews were my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding. And... um being denied them or denying myself just to keep the tantrums down. And there was a period of time where I didn't even have a relationship with my sister, who is my best friend from the day she was born. And I'll tell you right now, if I'm in trouble with something, you know, I have a body in the car. I'm going to my aunts. Like, that's how close we are. That's our relationship, you know? Right, right. So, like, imagine that and then just all of a sudden flip. Like, it's gone, you know? And, um... We talked a little bit about schemas, and we're going back a little bit, but like for you, what was kind of like the things that set up like the expectations of relationships, like with your parents, stuff like that? Um, my parents had um, a very chaotic uh, abuse relationship. Um, my father was a physical abuser yep. and an emotional abuser, and he had some of the, um, I don't think he was a full blown narcissist. Of course, I'm not a practitioner, so I practicing medicine without a license here, but... It's okay. This is fine. He um, was very controlling, and he also um, didn't allow us to do a lot of things that ordinary children did, like sleep over at our friend's house or go on a walk-a-thon to raise money for a charity and stuff like that. He just did not... That just was not allowed. Yeah. Um, and I've talked about him on here so people know, but he's a piece of shit. Um, he did something, he literally put himself in poverty just to not pay child support. Ridiculous. So question, and I want to find out like the most proper way to word this question. I want it to be articulate. Um, while in a relationship with, well, surviving narcissistic abuse, like, how did your like your psychological like your your internal dialogue how was that day to day right like was it like okay this is just another day i'll be okay like well maybe he won't freak out or is it like i can't stand this god maybe just one final day or is it like everything's fine i love it here this is the best day ever like what what was you know like your your outlook in that in, the, in those times if i were to encapsulate it into one word it would be dread dread and i typically have a very optimistic personality. Yeah. I mean, you could call me Pollyanna. I I feel happy 99% of the time. I mean, we all have bumps in the road, but I always say I'm too dumb to know anything's wrong. Someone's going to have to tell me. <laughs> my life okay. was filled with dread. I walked on eggshells. I did everything I could to avoid the tantrums until I realized there was nothing I could do to avoid the tantrums. Mm. Um, I just struggled, and it was hard for me to reach out um, to my family. He would literally watch her phone. So if we called and he saw, or he caught her talking to us on the phone, he would start screaming and we could hear it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And so that's that's horrible. Um, Just wanting to be able to speak to your family, like that's, that shouldn't be something that should be penalized or, you know, treated or met with hostility. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Um, so I know this is a cliche question, right? And I I just want to ask it because I know someone out there is going to ask it. I understand. 
but I want to ask, why did you stay? I, I'm glad you asked that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the people that are targeted by narcissists and cluster B personalities um, tend to be more empathetic, mm-hmm. and they tend to be the people that I know it's going to be better tomorrow. I know I can help this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I can make a difference in the world. And they keep you on the hook. You've also got maybe some familial expectations, like if you come from a family where um, they're saying, you know, just hang in there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the, the familial you up pressure. The, you if, opened up okay. some, some the, the can of worms here with me because that triggers me, like just so many memories coming back of, oh, well, just... You know, people are like, just forgive him, you know, mm-hmm. keep forgiving, keep forgiving. Like, how, how, what is the boundary? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And so also, angry. if you come from a um, higher power space, mm-hmm. you may have some doctrinal, you know, cultural doctrinal type reasoning baggage. All right, baggage. Okay. <laughs> um, you also may not have support from your family members. You may have, um, like your mom might say, oh, but he's so nice to me, or um, those kind of things. And so you stay, but you can also have some fear. There are people, there are women who stay because they have children and no career. They've been isolated so badly that they don't have any way to support their children. Um, we don't have the resources in this culture to... Um, I mean, you have shelters, but the shelter system is somewhat it, it needs repair. And yeah. you bring up an interesting point about, like, the gender differences because, yeah, like, a lot of women stay because they don't have anywhere else to go. And mm-hmm. they've been so, like, devalued, so oppressed that, like, they don't have educational, like, you know, they don't have the education to, like, go and support a family on money like that, you know. And our healthcare system sucks dick. You know, and our support system sucks dick. Um, Yeah, it just makes me so furious. And you've also got situations um, where you've been so badly devalued that you don't, and I'm not speaking from experience, but Mm -hmm. that you don't have a career or you don't even believe you could have a, you can't survive without me, you're told. Or you're nothing without me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's also the um, legal system with a guardian ad litem where um, I even heard the other day where someone who had sexually abused a child got, got custody because the guardian ad litem made a statement that allowed the courts to hand the child over. Wow. So um, I think, sadly, we need a huge overhaul and we need resources for, um, and I'm going to speak for women, for women to be able to um, start fresh. Absolutely. You also get the men. I mean, we have men in the Facebook groups mm-hmm. that, and they always come in kind of hesitantly, like, I know this is a man bashing group, and da da da. Oh. And I hate to see that because I don't hate men. Right, right. I hate abuse. Mm-hmm. And there are women who abuse, there are men who abuse. I hate abuse. I don't hate men. I don't, you know. Right, right. Um, but they come in hesitantly and. You know, they'll say all these memes that are out there are directed to men. Yeah. And so they don't feel as 
comfortable reaching out for help um, because, you know, it's all, oh, man, they did this and they did that. Yeah, and you bring up an interesting point because in my uh, DSM class, we we're talking about this, the bias in diagnos- diagnostics needs to be changed because the narcissistic um, term is usually, or diagnosis is usually applied to men. And then um, women usually, like borderline personality disorder, and I also want to say, just like, just to have it on here, um, we also recognize, obviously, we recognize non-binary individuals, trans individuals, all those things, they, they go through these problems, I would say, just as much or even more as than we do as binary, like, you know, cis individuals. And so, um, if you're listening, you know, and you feel kind of excluded by what we're talking about, like, we, we hear you, we know that, like, you're out there and... Yeah, and we know that you also can find yourselves in narcissistic abuse type relationships. It's not just geared towards men or women. Like it's people, people, people. yeah, work. people. Okay, yep. And the groups that I'm in have progressed a lot since I first started. Um, they've progressed, and there are people. There are a couple of people that are non-binary um, who, you know, they've been abused, and there's just global support. Right, right. What do I do? The answer's the same. How do I handle this? The answer's the same. Okay, so I have one. I have another question for you, um, and I know it's 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 kind of loaded and it's a little difficult. Um, so if you were to, you know, if you were to, you know, speak to someone who they believe they're in the beginnings of a you know narcissistic abuse type relationship, like they're they're seeing the red flags, how would you advocate that person? extricate themselves from the situation like because it it has to be tactful right you you have to be very careful lest this person come in do more damage towards you mm-hmm. stalking that kind of thing yeah that can be very real and very frightening right. um, I think a couple of things there's there's a common word of advice that I've always thought was very valuable Um. If you tell your story as though someone was telling you the story, so I'm telling you my story, mm-hmm. um, what would be your advice back to you? So, for example, if I sat down and said, this person is manipulating me, this person, but you s- tell it back to yourself, what would your advice be? You'd be like, oh, no, you don't put up with that. So you you, mm. you change the way you tell the story. That is a right, therapy right. technique, actually. So yep. you were meant to be a therapist, I think. <laughs> Definitely. In my next life. In your next life. Um, the other thing, too, is um, if you see things that make you uncomfortable, reach out. Talk to someone. Talk to a friend. Um, something that happened to me was I have a a really close friend. She's second in line to my sister. And she was being narcissistically abused by a family member. Oh, no. And she would tell me about it. And one day, it was like, seriously, like a light bulb above my head turned on and I went... Oh, shit. I had no idea mm. that there was a name for it. And, you know, there was a pattern. And I started going, wait a minute. So I started reading everything I could get a hold of. Um, but reaching out and spending some time away, mm-hmm. even if you have to fabricate, um, I need to go to Vegas <laughs> by myself. <laughs> I need Please don't to, take me. Yeah. I need to go to um, fabricate some, because 
space can really set your head right mm -hmm. if you can take some time for yourself. You know, something that really is really the basis to start is self-care. Because one thing that goes by the wayside really fast, because once again, as you said, you're not important to them. So make yourself important. That's an incredible point. Um, because as as we're continuing these relationships with these people who are continually like putting us down, you know, we at sometimes we internalize that, right? Like maybe I'm not as worthy, maybe I'm not, you know, this, this and that. And so that's right where they want you, right? Because now it's I'm the person that makes you feel good. I'm the person that makes you and so I think the self care is crucial. Um, especially especially in this type of relationship. Like that's okay. And so my last question. This is my last okay. question for you. Okay. Um, being someone who's been in this type of relationship, um, what advice would you give to someone who says, like, I think I can change this person? What if, what if they're like, yo, I'm trying, I'm seeing, you know, the same type of results, but, you know, so it's not the beginning of the relationship. Now it's like they've been in it. They've got, mm -hmm. you know, some, some, uh, some wear and tear on the tires. Um, what advice would you give that person? Um, the the popular advice, and I believe this wholeheartedly, is a narcissist can and will never change. Cannot and will never change. Mm -hmm. If you if that's incorrect English, that, I'm sorry. No, that, that's that's ex my clinical experience. That's exactly right. Um, I kind of use it like um, I worked in Hawaii for four months, so I lived there. And when I got to the airport. Um, so when you're working and you rent a car, a lot of times they'll give you like the dumbest, smallest car they can get away with. Mm -hmm. But I get to Hawaii and they give me like a Crown Vic or something big. Ooh. And I'm like, dude, I rate. Laying out the red carpet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Until I find the parking spaces on Oahu are mm. tiny. They're like abnormally small. Okay. So I'm trying to get in and I pull out and then I pull back in and then I back out and then I keep... That's like trying to change a narcissist. It's just it's two things that just aren't, you know, no matter mm -hmm. what, the car is not going to fit in that space. Yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. It's like taking a fork to a soup convention, okay, yes. and expecting to eat every single drop of soup within a minute. Yeah. Like, I don't, it, I don't think that's going to happen. And you can't pick up the bowl. And you can't pick up the exactly. bowl. Exactly. <laughs> you have to use the fork. Yeah. Or trying to eat for... Me trying to eat like soup with chopsticks. Yeah, but, but even better analogy. Trying yeah. to eat soup with chopsticks. Yeah, and you can't pick up the bowl. Yeah, exactly. And you have to eat it in a minute. So um, I have so many questions. Just well, somebody has to want to change. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all tried to change aspects of our personality or things that we do or things that we don't do, but it comes from within. But the narcissistic personality cannot. There's such a fragile um, persona mm -hmm. that the only thing that happens is if they don't get their way, they collapse. Narcissistic injury. So they have to want to change, and they don't. And I've seen women leave and come back, leave and come back, and it just gets worse. Mm -hmm. What was it that Kit said? Or, yeah, I'll just name him. Kit said to you about the clowns? Um. <clears throat> in the circus. Oh, he said, "If you don't, if you're scared of clowns, stop going to the circus." Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. I mean, that's, okay. Re- that's sound advice. Yeah. Reasonable yeah. advice. Yeah. Um, wow, that's interesting. Hmm. We that's have a friend with very many good sayings. Nice. Yeah. Just all these aphorisms and wisdom. Yeah. And he said, if you're scared of clowns, why do you keep going to the circus? Mm-hmm. Oh, classic. Good yeah. stuff. I like it. Yeah. And your ex, you know, I'm not going to get sued because his name's not in this. He was a clown. Is a clown. Um, okay. So you're in this relationship, you know. When did you, so talk about like kind of feeling trapped. Like when did you realize like, uh-oh, I'm in this for the long haul. And then what did you do to kind of cope with that? Well, it, um, when we went on our honeymoon, um, one thing that at least the narcissist that I was involved with is there's a lot of, um, it, it's a form of gaslighting, but it's changing their minds. So, I might say, let's use the trip to Vegas again. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go eat at this particular casino. So I need you to print the directions to this casino because back then there was no GPS. Right. Sure. Um, and then he said, but I've heard this casino's good. So your mind says, then we're going to this one. And then they say, but this one, but this one, and they keep going back and forth. So you print the directions to the one you were told to print the directions to. And when you head there, you head them to that one. And they're like, I told you we were going to the other one. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I'm just misremembering this, but I think there was like a story where you guys like got on a, in a plane and like landed and like he hit the tarmac. He's like, never mind, I want to go home. Pretty much. So, so they, they plant a seed of uncertainty to open a door for an opportunity to be upset at the mm-hmm. wrong Exactly, choice. exactly. So um, we're going on our honeymoon and I was kept being told this name of this town and so, again, there was no phones and stuff back then. And so I printed out the directions. We get to the town. All hell breaks loose. Mm. It's the wrong town. And I'm like, and I screwed up again. But this is right, like, we went on our honeymoon a month after we got married. And already. I don't know if y'all heard oh, this, but my know. eyes just rolled almost out of my head. Down so, the street. Down the street. <laughs> it's on the news right now. There's a news cycle about it. It made the national news. Because this motherfucker... Oh, I hate this guy. Wow, wow, wow. Anyway. Oh, you're good. So yeah. um, so that was kind of the beginning, yeah. actually. So you're seeing that? How did you feel? Was it like dread? Or was it just like hope that it, wouldn't cha- that it would change? Or well, what? I felt dread and I felt ashamed. Hmm. There was a lot of shame. And this is a very shame-based um, experience because you kind of keep going... How could I be this stupid? I, yesterday I was smart, and now I'm stupid. You know, and um, yeah, you feel a lot of shame because you're getting a lot of blame for everything, even stuff that you don't even have anything to do with. Yeah, I I know a couple people who are in relationships where they they feel that very same thing, right? Because mm-hmm. they hear from their friends or family, like, what are you doing? Why are you still with this person? Like, what are you doing? And, you know, of course, that at the end of the day, when all the lights are off and they have the thoughts with themselves, like, damn, what the, f- what what the am fuck? I doing? Yeah. And, and then yeah. there's that, that moment of like, okay, well, I need to, something has to change. But then we we then just get so comfortable with the cycle, right? It's it's too difficult to want to make these huge, massive changes that we, we're not even sure is going to work. So let's just continue with the abuse. And it's terrifying to think about leaving and what could blow mm-hmm. and what terrible things could blow. And my, my departure story is 
I'm gonna I'm a person of faith and it is a miracle. Yeah. And hey, we respect like your coping skills, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a person of faith, you know, and that's what helps you. But um I wanna comment too, it's like I think like I don't know, I'm I'm living in like a grove of like narcissist relationship trees. They're like all around me, you know, just because like everybody, you know, and I just want to take an axe to all those motherfuckers and just chop the root of the tree, you know, like Paul Bunyan or something. But And you, I think you asked one day, why do I feel like I'm surrounded? And I think the more aware you become, the more you realize when you're not, when you're unaware, you don't know that this particular president or... Um, this particular individual, you you know something's off, but you don't really know what's wrong with them. But once you become aware, you're like, wow, there are a lot of <laughs> people with this issue. So yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like yeah, you just realize something something like comes into your mind, and you just wake up, and you're like, oh fuck, like the things are fucked up over here. I don't know why, but they are. So and also your boundaries, um, if you've been surrounded. Your, ba- your boundaries kind of start, it's like those um, spidey senses, mm, right, because right. then you're extra sensitive. Um, right after I left, I had made a friend at work, and all of a sudden, y- your self-esteem is in the toilet, because mm. you let this happen, and you're out, and you're this, and you're that, and you could jump right into something, right. and I came close, and your mom saved me. Oh, wow. So, real quick, your departure story. Mm-hmm. Um, what was like? What was that like? What was the day like for you? The the twenty four hours, like the last day of being in this house versus the first day of my freedom. What was that? Um, let me. I may have to make it a little longer than a day. Please, please do. Okay. Go. Let's go back to <laughs> like okay. the, last, the you, week. You're right? in there yeah. like halfway through the well, relationship, you know, and you realize kind of I want out. It had to right? do with the pandemic. Yeah. The, oh. the opportunity to go had to do with the pandemic. Well, divine intervention. So the pandemic started, and um, this person is very paranoid mm. and was very afraid of the the virus. Okay. And it got to the point where. Um, I couldn't even go out in the yard by myself, like in the yard. Um, any food that was delivered or anything that was delivered had to sit in the garage for um, a week. But if you're ordering fresh groceries, that's not going to work. Right, right. And so, I mean, it just got to the point where, you know, I would do whatever. You know, we wash everything with soap. We put it in bleach. We, you know, all these things. Extreme paranoia. Yeah. Um, and then... I had some things um, that I really needed that were in the garage. And he kept putting me off and putting me off and putting me off. You can't go get them. You can't have them. You can't. But I couldn't go outside by myself. Now, you might think, I'm a grown-up woman. Why can't I go out? But... Can, can we back up? We, we understand. Yeah. yeah. Can we back up a little bit? That's us backing up and me hitting the mic. So, let's go back to that time where you kind of felt more empowered, like... You know, like you blame yourself, you blame yourself. When is you wake up and you're just like, man, fuck this guy. What, what, you know, what was it? Oh, it did happen quite a long time before okay. I left. I want, to, I want to hear this part. Okay. This is a part you probably don't know. And you're, don't. I'll keep my jaw so it doesn't hit the well, floor. And don't break hit the Tony's mic house. unless you have insurance because you might need to replace it. Yes, so. exactly. That's fine. Um, fine. I yeah. bought the mic. So anyway, 
there's um, oftentimes, if not always, there is a um, sexual control factor mm-hmm. to narcissistic abuse, whether it's pushing you to do more than you're comfortable, more often, or completely withholding, mm. like an unconsummated marriage. Um, so I was always told that something was wrong with me. So I wasn't worthy or whatever. Of by, some, by him. Of some physical... By him. Yeah. Yeah. Intimacy. Okay. Um, and, you know, I would be like, I'm relatively unsophisticated in that area. So um, I was like, well, something must be wrong with me then. Um, and one night, I woke up in the middle of the night, just all of a sudden, usually I'm a pretty good sleeper. Um, and we had a... He dropped his cell phone, so he was using a phone that belonged to me. And I saw that it was blinking a message. And But it was his phone, and I don't typically look in other people's phones. Mm-hmm. Good. But I looked, I looked down at the message, and it was from some girl. And so I picked it up, and I opened the phone, and there were always all these sexts between him and some girls. Wow. Kind of like a pick up, you know, this and that. And I just sat there. And so I started shooting myself the texts. You know, I didn't really know how to forward them, so I was taking pictures and sending them to my own phone. And then I I didn't do anything. And then he started getting on me about trust. Started getting on you? Yeah. Okay. About something else completely. Mm -hmm. This is is interesting because, like, him... You know, messaging these people. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's you know if they're saying like they're a hot girl and they have all these pictures. It's usually like a guy named like Doug in Cincinnati that's like tr- trying to fuck with people yeah. on the internet, and he's like, you know, kind of thing. So it's interesting. Yeah. So I just blew up, and what mm. they do is they bait you until you finally blow. So I blew, and I said. You know, if you want to talk about trust, you better be sure you want to talk about trust. You ready to have this conversation? Yeah. Those are some fighting words. Yeah. So I brought out the texts mm. and I showed them to him. And he was flummoxed at first, but they recover qu- pretty quickly. And he said, oh, I was helping a friend um, basically catfish his girlfriend. But there were more than one girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Yeah. It, so you like basically went Judge Judy on his ass, just wow. held up the allegations, all the evidence mm-hmm. right in front of him, kind yeah. of shit. Pulled up all the receipts. That is yeah. badass. So there's some, you. but there's some. I mean, they are good at getting out of it, and eventually, kind of things settle down. But after that, it was never the same. Right. It was never the same for me. Hmm. So I was pretty much. I knew where I stood. Okay. So I, I remember, so, like, I don't, I didn't know that, obviously, but um, I remember the change, like the paradigm shift in you. So what changed for you, like, in your mind? Like, I, I saw it, but let, let go me, ahead. Let me tell you what changed for her in her mind. Go ahead. She saw the fucking texts and was like, yo, I'm done. Bro, get out of here. Okay, Fuck this so, shit. And now we're, like, now we're on the departure. We're like, yo, we got freaking groceries in the garage. I'm trying to eat some food. I fucking can't. I can't go in my front yard because this man. And so you say, yeah. what would you say? What are you doing? Well, so the. But several years passed. It, so this took, okay. this took years. That's yeah, why I'm trying to years. back up because this is yeah. a good story our listeners need to hear. Yeah. Right, no, this took years um, just to, 
you know, I kept thinking it's going to be okay. And, you know, I'm, but I never felt the same. I never felt the same investment. Right. And I started kind of getting that, um, kind of getting my old self back a little bit, little by little. And then I joined a Facebook group and they had a, <clears throat> excuse me, like a, like weeks of where you could just be in a private group, kind of mm-hmm. like a Zoom meeting. Cool. And um, they talked a lot about self-care. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. I mean, I'm not the kind of person that gets their nails done, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But they talked about things like, um, if you like to read, read. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I love to read, but I haven't. I don't read. Isn't that fucked up? Like, you start, like, not doing the things that you love to make you you, you know? Because the noise, I'll tell you why. The noise from the narcissist is so loud, psychically, you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. I would drop into bed dead because the noise was so loud. Just the demands and the, even when, sorry, when they weren't home, you were always braced. Oh, like, never mind. Sorry. He's going to text me. He's going to yeah. call me. He's going to want me to do. You know how you have to brace yourself? Like he's going to ask me something, and I've got to be able to say no. Yep, I have to be ready to be on the. Because if I if he texts me and I don't respond, oh my god! If he calls me and I don't respond, oh lord! If if I respond the wrong way to a text, uh, and like it's like you said, like it's it's, it's jarring, like constantly tense. Yeah. Your shoulders are up, and you're mm. always ready for action. Now. Um, there's also something called double standard. Yeah. And with a narcissist, there's always a double standard. I'll give you an example. So, for example, I was always told, like, I wanted to take walks. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to walk with him. I just wanted to walk. But no, you can't go by yourself. It's too dangerous. It's da-da-da-da. So, okay. So, we did a little walking. Well, one night, I'm at my business. He comes and gets my car and leaves his vehicle, only he doesn't leave the keys. And so by the time I go home, it's winter, it's dark, it's cold, and it's late. We lived relatively close, but not that close, so I walked home. I get home, oh, I called and called, he wouldn't answer. And this wasn't, this wasn't a very safe area in our local geography. Let's that. just let's just put yeah. it out. We have a certain name for it. We'll say it off air because I don't want to yeah. tell where you're from. But it was yeah. rough. Yeah, it was we call a rough it area. we call it the hood. Yeah. If there's a hood in Utah, which there's not really, but if there is, this was the area. Yeah. Okay. So I walked all the way home. I get home. I get in, and he's on the couch, just sitting there. And I said, "You didn't answer." Now, think back. If I didn't answer him. All hell would break loose. Mm-hmm. He didn't answer me over and over again. And he was like... No big deal. And I said, I had to walk home in the dark, mm. you know, that kind of thing. And it was no big deal. And I was like, double standard. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. And I, I remember when you started realizing that this is one of the happiest days when you kind of commiserated us like so you came back to our family functions you know but you'd have to like make excuses kind of sneak out or lie and stuff you know but there's just kind of this feeling we're both like fuck this guy you know kind of both like yeah we hate him you know kind of feeling that was that was a good moment Yeah, i would have to say things um to go to a family function you know i'd have to make like one night i said i'm gonna go and spend some time with my friend and i was like 
please don't give me trouble, please don't give me trouble, because if if it got too ugly, then I wouldn't be able to go, and it was a family function that was important. Let, just a good rule of thumb, if you have to lie about where you're going in order to spend time with your family or support system, that's a fucking red flag. Red flag. In word. the biggest way. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, that freedom. How did that begin? Like you having that sense of, I don't want this guy around. You know, how did you switch that? How did you pivot there? Well, the um, sexting happened, and then there were a couple of other things ha- that happened, and I was just done. I was just tolerating. But I think the pandemic. I always say it's kind of like a person with cancer that survives, and they get a cold and die. They survive <laughs> cancer, and then boom. They get a head <laughs> cold and boom. Get hit by a bus. Yeah. Um, I was just done. And during the pandemic, I said to myself, and I said it to him, if I can't go get my stuff from the garage, by this date, at this time, I'm going to go stay with my mom. And Ooh. then um, I talked to my sister, and she said, you should come stay with us. My mom. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And um, I finally had a place to go. And I think that really empowered me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So setting a firm expectation saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to have this happen by this day, this time. End of story. And for what it's worth, there's a lot of people who may even attempt to do that, right? But then just get met with physical violence or emotional mm-hmm. or psychological violence. But you know, one's autonomy is crazy important. Like being able to say, hey, I need to be somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. Like, And I will add to that because this is a lot of domestic violence and homicide happens this way. Maybe don't even tell them about your plans to leave or when you want to leave or anything mm-hmm. like that. Because if you do tell them, they have time to plan. Mm-hmm. And a lot of murders happen that way. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the riskiest time. Yeah. So keep it to yourself, you know. Um, okay. So... I remember this time, and it yeah. was like I was. I was. I was my mom told me, and I'm like, I'm clearing out my room. Say less. Like you can sleep at my room. I'll sleep in the fucking basement. It's not even fucking finished. <laughs> you can you can have my bed. You know, I'll take all the other stuff. But like, I was ready. Mm. What would you say to people that don't have necessarily that? Like, what do you in your groups and stuff? Like, yeah, and I said that there are women who. Um, again, I'm going to just use women because. Um, that's what I'm familiar with. Sure, sure. Who have mm-hmm. children, who don't have a support system. Um, many have asked, what do I do to prepare? And some of the things are kind of interesting, and I actually know several people who have done them, and it helped them get out. Sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace. Um, arrange pickups where they don't know that you're getting money. Hmm. Squirrel the money away. Get cash. Um, squirrel it away, um, get prepared, talk to the YWCA, um, talk to resources, talk to church resources. Mm. Um, no matter what, I mean, there's Catholic social services, um, but the YWCA is very, it's a very good organization when it ha- deals with women's issues like That's that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm sure there's a plethora of resources, and that kind of reminds me of your mother and my grandma just like mm-hmm. getting out of dodge in the middle of the night kind of feeling and just like hiding from this terrible, awful, evil human being, you know, and like mm-hmm. fearing for her life. Like, yeah. but she got out and, you know, sometimes you just got to get out, you know? Yeah. And if you don't have a family that will 
um, that has the room or has the oppor- or the ability to support you and take you in, um, you know, start start building and reach out to these Facebook groups because what will happen is someone will say, you know, I have six kids, but I need to get out. And you can't imagine the amount of support. People are saying, try this and try that. And where do you live? Well, here's a link to this. And pretty soon people are out. Somebody, I actually have seen four people do this. They drove um, two states away to pick up these these women. Incredible. Yeah. So if you don't have an immediate support system, just know that there are people out here who are still willing and able to yeah. help. Yeah. You know. So just again, reach out, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super important. So you're um, in the story. I remember, like, you know, I was fucking excited. That was like, you know, Christmas Day for me. I don't believe in Christmas, but Christmas Day for me. Um, and so, what was your feelings leading up to that? You you made your decision. You're like, peace. I'm. Sayonara, motherfucker, kind of feeling, you know? What, like, were you scared? Were you anxious? I was terrified. Yeah. And I had um, arranged with your mom a time. And then I knew there was going to be trouble. So what had Mm -hmm. happened is I had given him so many deadlines, and I kept carrying bags of my goods out to my car. And then he wouldn't let me go get them because now they're outside. They're exposed to the pandemic. So pretty soon my car was full of all my stuff. And I had my toothbrush and a few pieces of clothing left. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said to my sister, I said, I think you're going to br- need to bring the dog and the big boy, Adam. Adam, the big boy. Yeah, um, because the ex-individual is afraid of dogs and afraid of and I'll tell you when I when I got the news when it came through the line I was like SEAL Team Six motherfuckers like yeah. I I was ready to go you know yeah. I was I, I was like I'm a, I'm not scared of this motherfucker I'm I'm gonna go you know so I was there for you like yeah and I was so scared I was just like paralyzed with fear just paralyzed so I totally relate to anyone that says I'm just so scared mm-hmm. um, and he wasn't I, I'm bigger than he is and he wasn't physically um, like a abusive per se, but he would block me and push me, and I didn't want to hurt him. Mm. So I'd be like, um, you got to get out of my way. And when he saw Adam get out of the car, and he saw the dog poke his head out of the car, he moved and let me go. So I get into my car, and my car wouldn't start because I hadn't <laughs> driven it in so long, and I was like, this can't be real, and then it started. When I saw his face, like just... Descend, like just drop through the levels of Dante's hell, you know. Mm-hmm. It looked like he shit his pants. Like this guy was just like, oh shit. Like, and that made me proud because I'm like, you know, I'm there for my auntie, you know. But uh, that was so funny. Just like that dread in his face. He's like, this, <laughs> I'm fucked. Well, yeah. and they gaslight themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So he said, you said you were just going for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said no such thing. Yeah, yeah. And then they try to. Again, the, the the smallest of webs, right? And I was like, oh, you said you're only going for two weeks? You said you're coming right back, right? right. And and I've my sister has been in relationships with um, at least one person who has exhibited incredibly narcissistic behaviors and traits. And so I remember going to pick up my niece, or I think it was my nephew at the time, because just more, more of the madness. I'll just more of the madness. And so, you know, we pull up, and I'm like, hey, you know, we're just, here to get a little dude pull out and just i don't know i just feel like 
the audacity of some people to be like, yo, I am so important that I'm going to impose my will in a way that's detrimental to not only you, but your family. And I'm not going to feel bad about it to the point that I will make you feel bad about it. And it'll be your burden to have to fucking deal with while I'm over here doing something completely different. Like, blows my mind. And to be honest, I almost called you because I... <laughs> needed some bro, help. I'm, I wish I you would have, bro. I wish you would have called me, bro. I, I pulled up. up. I showed up. Yo, I'd have, I'd have done a few push-ups before I pull up, too, just to get, like, a little extra swole, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, but that was, for my part of it, you know, I was nervous because you never know these situations. You never know, like, if they have a gun that you don't know about or whatever. And so I was just kind of like, okay, is this going to have to happen? Like, I'm ready. I'm willing to go, you know, into the fray. And I'm, I'm you know, I'll stick up for my auntie if it gets physical. Um, but, yeah, that was just a really anxious day. But when, you know, you see, I when I saw him shit his pants, you know, and just tuck tail and run, I was just like, fuck yeah. I was just like, and... That first week, I think I called in sick to work a few days just so we could spend time together, catch up on 13 years. Like, and it was like, it was like, I don't know, it was like scout camp all over again. You know, like we were up late laughing for hours. We were watching all these shows. Yeah. And most of us worked at home because it was the pandemic. So Mm, we got a lot of good togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a good time. Um, And so, you know, you're at my house and you are kind of, like getting accustomed what what was the difference like you said that like your life changed at that point what changed well when i first came to their house mm-hmm. i i was very weird i would explain my movements so i would go to my sister and i would say i'm going here then i'm going here i'll be home at this time and i would just like cover all my bases and she says we don't care. Yeah, I was like, you're like, I'm going to go grab a glass of water. I'm going to go to the fridge. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Go go yeah. ahead. Take the whole fridge. Yeah. Take all the water. There, there you go. And I think that's that comes from like being conditioned in for so long to be like, hey, I need to do that. I need to make sure that they know what's going on. Or if something crazy fucking happens, you guys need to know I was at the store. Okay, I plan on being back at this time. If I'm not, that means dude pulled up or something. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, you... You've been conditioned to over-explain your whole life because, mm-hmm. you know, they they want to know your every movement. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one aspect that really helped me a lot to to survive or thrive or change or yeah. whatever, and it was try to do one thing every day that they either don't want you to or would mock you for doing. Just flex on them, you know? Just one day and, and remember, consciously think, I'm doing this because you wouldn't let me. I love that. Yeah. This is this is kind of a sad, like, I'm seeing, like, these movies where, you know, somebody's in, like, a prison camp and they're just starting to, like, plan to, like, you know, dig a little, get a spoon from the cafeteria, you know, dig a little, you know, into the wall. That's what I'm imagining because, like, that's kind, of, that's kind of how it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, like, that hope, like, kind of keeps going. Yeah. It really does. And so for people that want hope or looking for it, like, what would you say to them so that they can start to kind of feel like there's more to this, to life than this relationship? I would say, um, if I can do it, anyone can get out. Hmm. And I'm not minimizing. It's not easy. But I think the biggest, the word that you use is hope. 
and the thing that gives you hope the most is to have a plan. And, you know, a lot of people are afraid because if you write stuff down, they might see it. If you put it in your phone, they might get in your phone, that kind of thing. But have a plan somewhere. Um, you can even start building. Some people who go to work at the office have built um, like a go box hmm. at go. their work, you know, with your vital papers. Hmm. Um, like I would take your marriage certificate. I would take your car title. I would take your birth certificate, you know, things that you're going to need, your passport, right. try to get your paperwork out of the house. Man, this is sounding like a movie. Yeah. Because just, for some people it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just be ready and um, also start stashing some cash away, like I said. Some people say there's just no way I can make cash. And if you have kids, sell their clothes. So, mm, you know, sell hard. stuff you don't use. So I mean, not their clothes that they can wear, but right, right, old right. clothes and stuff. <laughs> okay. um, because seriously, you can make some money mm-hmm. and start squirreling it away. Awesome, awesome. And so, and he cut this out if you feel free, but remember the saying, always ready, never scared. Bro, always ready, never scared. Yo, and that's, man, and so that's the saying, man, me and, me and the boys, I'm going to have to, that's going to be another episode. That's going to be on the tangents. We'll talk oh, about Oh, tangents, that. yeah. But um, yeah, just always, being always ready to face whatever challenges in front of you and being never scared to actually go through with it and see what happens on the other end. Like, yes, life is difficult. Yes, we are going to be challenged. Yes, it's go- it's going to suck. However, you're going to develop. You're going to flourish. You're going to do things. This world will pull shit out of you you never even knew you had. Just so long as you're able and willing to, you know, be present and witness what you're able to do. Yeah? Be active. Be... Be engaged in your own development, right? Don't just let it go by the wayside. Don't have all these, you know, opportunities come by and you're just like, oh, well, that sucked. Like, learn something. Like, mm-hmm. be there. Be engaged in your own development. I just had this moment, like a teacher in class, when they finally reach a student. Not saying I haven't reached you before, but it's just like that spark, mm-hmm. you know, in their eyes. I just saw that in your face. Mate, like, honestly, like, it's, I believe in people. I believe that we have a lot of potential. Um, yeah. I've seen, mate, we have went from freaking flying airplanes, yeah, to touching the moon within like the same lifetime, within the same, like a, a generation almost, yeah. And so we've seen millions of wars at this point, right? We've seen plenty of conflict. We've seen many of people who are doing humanitarian stuff and like, you know, helping with allied countries and all these other things. Like, we've seen. We've seen social work. We've seen progressive legislation help people who are struggling. People can do so fucking much. And this is precisely why I'm in the field of social work is because we have potential. We can do so much, but we we're constantly being inundated with the negative stuff that's going on. And, and what makes me even more upset is wanting to tackle these difficult issues is being seen as being woke and that's being like it's it it has negative connotations as opposed to saying hey the people are struggling i care about people let's help people right and that Mm. i'm gonna try to work to dismantle that shit that's that's what our podcast is for yeah um so we're gonna kind of wrap start wrapping up but i want to talk about just last thing is like kind of reclaiming your life what have you done you know to kind of go back to or even make it better, like what if, What kind of things are you doing to heal? Um, a few things that I've done is I have 
rekindled relationships that were essentially dead. Um, rekindled relationships, um, gone a few, some places that I couldn't go before. Um, spent time with people that I love. That that's huge. Um, reached out to people. I think the tendency is to say, you know, I, I basically crapped on you because I was trying to save or avoid tantrums, save my marriage or whatever. And I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and they, everyone's been unbelievable. Doing things, get out and do stuff. And we can call that self-care. You can call that enjoying yourself. You can call that lighting your own hair on fire, whatever you call it. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Do things, just do stuff. Um, because, you know, we've been, we've been a prisoner. It's like being free, like you said. You're free, do stuff. And now, I mean, I feel like there's no time like the present. Just do it. Yes, ma'am. I love it. And we're going to have some fan art probably of this at some point. I want some of Squiddy and Max. So tell the listeners who the, who the fuck is Squiddy. Squiddy is my mini Aussie. She's nine years old and she's super naughty. Very oh. naughty. But tell, tell them like kind of what that was like getting a dog after going through all this shit. And okay, I, I think it would have been nice to know that she got a dog after going through all this stuff, and now, now this is it. So thank you for that segue. Appreciate oh, you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I had an opportunity to adopt uh, a mini Aussie, um, and it was sort of unexpected. I hadn't really thought about having a dog, and she's been life-changing, um, she is a narcissist, <laughs> but she also loves and adores me. Um, you know, animals, they just are like, feed me, give me my things, um, pet me. Um, but it's so life-affirming to have her, and it's so much fun. And you have another dog, and they Maxie. get along like yeah. house of fire. And so it's it's been really good, really good for me. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I think you guys kind of need each other because she's kind of a similar situation, you know. Yeah. Just you know, um, uprooted and yeah, kind of. Yeah. So it, it's been, I've I've seen like your demeanor and your energy change. Just like you have something to do, you have somebody to care about. You know, you have something yeah. that like keeps you going. You know, mm-hmm. I I think it's great, and and I, and I love Squiddy. And we started going to the gym. Yes, me and your mom, and that's been a great thing. And we walk the dogs, and so. You know, keeping busy, keeping active, but not avoiding your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, allowing and honoring your feelings, not just be, be so busy that you don't feel them. And that's huge um, because right now we're in a social climate where people are saying, oh, well, you feel too much, stop feeling, blah, blah, blah. But to not acknowledge your feelings is just as damaging as, you know, putting someone else down for feeling something. Mm-hmm. Like, it, we're humans, we're going to feel. Yeah, I think it's poison. If you don't feel your feelings, you eventually will be poisoned. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, word. So if you or anyone you know are struggling with any of these issues, please reach out. Please seek help. Please be there for one another. This world is wild. This world is crazy. But, I mean, we can do it if we fucking try, bro. Like, Yeah. We try out here. And I'll say, my parting, I don't want to give advice because social workers don't do that. My thoughts are... Live the life to the extent that you can that you want to live. You know, if you got somebody who's saying, "Oh, you can't see your family," or "You can't do that," mm. like break up that relationship 
as like as soon as you can, you know, and get somebody that like values you for you, you know, be the person you want to be. Absolutely. Be you unapologetically. Yes. Be there for yourself. Be there for yourself. Absolutely. As long as it's not hurting other people. Don't, don't yeah, don't, don't <laughs> yeah, don't hurt other people. I think that's understood, um, but to the extent that it's societally acceptable, do what you want. Sounds great. Okay. All right, thanks for listening. We love you guys. Bye.